0: We'll turn the scriptures today to 1 John chapter 3 as we continue our series on joyful fellowship with God and man as we have it uh, explained to us through the letter that uh, John wrote to the church. And So let's uh, listen to God's word from 1 John chapter 3 verses 11 through 18. O Lord, our God, we, we give you praise for your amazing love that you've given us in sending your Son into this world. And we know, O Lord, that if you have so loved us, we ought to love one another. But, O Lord, we know that we need to be taught to love. We need to be instructed by your Spirit. So, Lord, we pray that you would teach us today, that you would waken our hearts, the love of Christ, the love of Christ not only for his Father, but also for his people and for the world. Oh, Lord, we pray that, we would, that you would awaken that within us. Teach us through your word. We need your help. We, we need your presence. We need your power. We need your strength. And so, Lord, give us your help and aid, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> what is life all about? What is the purpose of life? Well, we have a, a good answer to that given in our shorter catechism of our, our Presbyterian Church, the historic catechism of our church, which says, what is the chief end? What's the big goal of life? And it says it is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So that's our first priority. It's always our first priority, to love God, to serve him, to seek to glorify him, and to enjoy him. But there's another priority that we have, but that's a second priority. It's a priority underneath that. But it is a real and significant priority, and that is to love one another. And uh, that is, it's not the first thing, but it is an extremely important thing, and it's something that John emphasizes here. It's what Jesus had taught, the two great commandments, love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, what does it mean to to really love our neighbor, to love our brothers and sisters? That's what we want to consider this morning from this passage and how John instructs us, inspired by the Spirit, to teach us. And I want you to see um, see first why uh, love is so important. So we'll see the importance of love, the opposite of love, and the practice of love as a way of reflecting on this important duty. That is one of the main things that we are to do in this life. So let's consider first the importance of love as we have it here. It's described in verse 11 by what John says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. This is a message that he had been teaching them from the beginning. And indeed, you could say it is from the beginning of the world. Right from the beginning of the world, um, God had intended that humans live in community. The command to love our neighbor as ourselves is found explicitly stated actually in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. Uh, So the Old Testament, as Jesus said, is all about love, love of God, love of our neighbor. And you can find it there. But God put it on our hearts. He created us to be a people of love. It's our nature. It's natural to human beings to love one another. And, And if Nothing impedes it, that's, that's where we go, but we know that um, sadly our, we have fallen, separated from God, we become separated from one another, filled with anxiety, and out of that anxiety uh, exalt ourselves and commit all sorts of injustices. But that is the way of death, and that, that also shows us the second reason why love is so important, because love is the way of life. Love is the way of life. It is not only it has a priority in teaching; it is a way of life. <clears throat> it is, um, as John says in 1 John three eighteen, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And so he's saying, if we don't love, we're walking in the way of death, contrary to our own nature, and indeed we're destructive of our own nature. The way of really living is the way of love. Now, as we're here just sitting talking about it, sometimes it's easy to think about and to say, we're going to love everybody. We're going to love as God has called us to love. But we know that in in the world in which we live, in which uh, people do wrong things, when they don't love us, when when, uh, they impede our goals, it becomes harder to love. And so what are we to do when other people are not loving, acting loving toward us? Well, the idea of love being the way of life tells us what we're to do. If other people walk in the way of death, that does not mean that we should walk in the same way. We should continue loving even if others refuse to love because it's the way of life. It's similar to what John had already said. That the way of love is the way of light. And so those who do not love walk in darkness. So we want to walk in the light. Even if others walk in darkness, we should not walk in darkness as well. We walk in the way of light. And so that be- means we're not people who retaliate. It means that even if, even if for a time we're, we're not able to, to, to um, commune with people because they want to harm us, we're always ready to reconcile and we are gentle in our approach even if we have to do hard things we're ready to heal and bind up it's always based on love it's always the way of life the way of light so it's hugely important and then the third thing is the third thing that shows us the importance of love is that it is the way that Jesus lived it is the example of Jesus listen to what john how john describes it in 1 john 3:16 uh, there's John 3.16, and then there's 1 John 3.16. And um, it's interesting, those two go really well together because it talks about the love of God for the world, what that means. But then, what does that mean for us practically? Listen, this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus lived that way, therefore. We also ought to live that way. He laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for others. Jesus showed us what love is. He loved his disciples, his close friends in a way that no one else did. He cared for them, even washing their feet and then suffering on the cross. But he also loved his enemies. And we can never forget what our Lord said about those who Crucified him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus has shown us the way of love. And so, what I want you to see here is that the teaching about love of neighbor, love of our brothers and sisters, is hugely important. It is the message from the beginning, it is the way of life, and it is the way of Jesus. Now, John teaches us about love, not only by explaining what love is, but also by contrasting it with the opposite of love, which of course is hate. And this is what he says in in 1 John 3, verse 12. Immediately after he says we should love one another, he says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the one and murdered his brother. And verse 15, he says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. God is, when God makes us new, he's turning us into a people of love. If we do not walk in the way of love, then we're not walking in the way of life, and that life does not exist in us. The hate is the way of the world. Now, what does it mean then to hate? Well, in order to understand what hate is, we need to know what love is. And so here's a simple definition. Love is a desire for when it comes to human beings or other persons, um, love is a desire for someone's fellowship and well-being. So we want, to, we want them to do well, and we want to commune with them. We want to have fellowship with them. And this means that we want to connect with that person, and we want their best. Now, obviously, we can't connect with everybody all the time, but that's where our heart is. And so um, we can't just say that we have a general love for people if we have no interest in them have no desire to talk to them, have no uh, interest in their well-being. It's something that's manifested in that sort of action, as we'll see here in a second. The hatred is the opposite. Hatred is, is saying we don't want someone's fellowship and well-being. We don't want to be around them. We have no interest in them. We don't care about their well-being. That's where, how hatred is manifested. Or we may, and and in Cain's case, we may positively want to diminish it. You know what happened with Cain. Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve, and uh, Adam and Eve had already begun to have a rupture in their relationship, and and began to accuse one another of being the source of sin, and that was manifested then in, in their children. And so, Cain and Abel both brought sacrifices to the Lord. The Lord accepted the sacrifice of Abel. He did not accept the sacrifice of Cain. And so what did Cain do? Instead of repenting, he killed his brother. And so that is the first murder that we see. And we see that that is where our rupture with our relationship with God leads us to retaliate on the level of human beings. Now, one of the reasons John says this is to remind them that that was they're facing persecution. They should not be surprised because from the very beginning when the devil did his work, those who did what was wrong hated those who did what was right and persecuted them. And so he said, don't be, he's saying in essence, don't be surprised then if the world treats you the way Cain treated Abel. But that's kind of a side point to his main point. Now, we have passed from death to life, but we need to not only just say, we, but we need to be on our guard. We need to be a guard against the root of hatred. We need to be on guard of what our heart is doing with others. If we see bitterness towards others, that's something we need to seek with everything that we can and all the prayers that we can, all the help that we can, to move past that. Because it is that which will tear us apart from the inside. If we find ourselves lashing out at people and and having hatred towards people it's something that we need to be done with it's the way of darkness it's the way of death and so we need to pursue with all that we can the grace of God that would enable us to love one another and what does that look like well that's what we're going to see in our third point the practice of love so let's look more closely at what that means to actually live in the way of love Well, we know this, what it means to love, because we know what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just say that he loved his disciples. He showed it over and over again. He didn't just say that he loved the world. He served the world. He didn't just say that he loved the Father. He obeyed him. He laid down his life for his brothers and sisters. And that's how we should love. That's what he says. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And he goes on to say, then give a practical example in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So to say that you have a love for the Lord, but then to not care about people, means that that what you say is not true. Because the love of God changes us to give us compassion And pity on the people that we see around and desire to help them. Remember what I said about the definition of love. It is a desire for communion with people and their well-being. So if we truly love people, desire their well-being, and we see them harmed or see them in danger or see them needing help, then love naturally moves us to want to help and serve other people. That's what it did for Jesus. He saw us in our sin, saw the wrath of God coming against us, and he laid down his life to be a propitiatory sacrifice for us so that we could be forgiven. So for us, when we see the needs of people, we need to help them. That's what John is saying. Now, I think one of the things we we can see immediately is that we might come in with a question here is, well, we know there's all kinds of needs in the world. And we have probably a better knowledge of that than even John would have had at his, in his time because of the available of mass communication throughout the world. So one of the things we've got to think through is what does it mean for us to live as generous people in a world where you know, there's seemingly infinite needs and we have only finite resources? So let me give you a few guidelines just as to, to think about how we serve. So, first of all, we do have an obligation to to care for our own. So, you know, the Apostle Paul says, if anyone does not care for his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. As one author put it, it's the principle of his lamp still shines, is what an old principle. Basically, we should be generous, but we also need to have our lamp still shining. In other words, we have the basic things that we need in order to, to live reasonably well. So we've got to take care of ourselves, we've got to take care of others, and if we don't take care of ourselves and others, we won't have the resources to be able to give. But then, secondly, I want to encourage you, though, to trust God in giving and loving. As we, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul explains how giving works in the kingdom of God. And I just want to read a couple of verses from that to remind you of this. In verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that is, the Lord who does that, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, we, we tend to look at the resources we have and think that's all I have to give. But God says that, that the kingdom of God works a little bit differently than that. We give what we have, and as we give, the Lord keeps supplying us so that we can continue to give. And so if the Lord tells us to give, makes that clear, then we should give. Now my experience with this is that, is that we can really trust the Lord. Like I do feel like I have oftentimes clear a sense that I'm supposed to give something. And, and oftentimes I wonder is like, is this just my own imagining it? Am I gonna be like now thinking I gotta give everything I have to everybody? But it's never worked out that way. Like, I'm, I mean, recently I was like, I had a strong sense that I was supposed to give a certain amount of money to, to a particular organization. And I was like, is this like, is this a real, sense from the Lord, you know, but, and so I was like, I kept thinking, like, is there something else going to come into my mind that I need to give to, and I kept thinking, and nothing did, and it was like, no, this is what you're supposed to do right now, you're not going to miss this money, it's, you're going to, you can give it, it's going to be okay, and I'll take care of you, and so sure enough, that, I was like, there's no way around this, you know, so I don't know what your experience is with that, I'm just sharing kind of like how that's worked out. But my point is this, that I found we can trust the Lord in giving. When we're led to give of our time, of our resources, the Lord will take care of us. And he's not gonna, he's not gonna work us to death. He's gonna, he'll say to the, what he said to the disciples. He'll say, come over here and have a quiet rest for yourself. And even if a whole bunch of people come and he has to feed 5,000 of them, there'll be 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples. So trust the Lord as you seek to love and give. If you feel led to do that, if you feel led to reach out, I I would say generally like that is from the Lord. But then third, err on the side of generosity. Now I'm going to tell you a story, a recent story from my life, not as a way of boasting at all, uh, saying I'm, I'm the greatest giver or anything, but to share with you what I learned from this. So, So I had a while back. I bought an electric guitar, and I like to I like to play the guitar, but I mostly play the acoustic. And that thing had sat in my office for for months. You know, I hadn't even picked it up. So we had all these students here this summer, and uh, and we um, one of them said he loves music and he had always wanted electric guitar. So so I left the embassy, drove up to my office. And I brought that guitar, and I said, you know, you can, you can use this this summer, and I'll get it at the end. And he loved that thing. And he, he actually went to uh, the Huddleston's house, and he was playing it for them. And I said, this guy loves that. And so it came to the end of the summer, and I actually had a little bit of struggle with this. But I thought, you know, I think I should just give this guitar to this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not even using it. And so I decided to do it, even after a struggle. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I, I learned from that is that, um, first of all, I think it's. I, 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 if I had kept that guitar, I probably still wouldn't be playing it. It's not, it really wouldn't have done me any good. But now I have the blessing of thinking of, of this guy over in Mongolia enjoying that guitar, which gives me way more pleasure than I would have had even if I had stayed and, and played that. So my point is this, to err on the side of generosity now i want to say something about like our situation in the united states now there's there's a lot of places in the world where they do need like food and clothing it's amazing like uh some of the some some of the studies i've seen and like just getting basic nutrition to 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 children can make such an impact on society because it multiplies the the brains and the minds that can work on the problems and then they begin to to move forward so i mean those are things we should think about but in the U.S., I mean, basically, food, clothing, and shelter are not a significant problem. And even if they are, they're readily solvable. We have an abundance here, and we need to see that. We have an abundance, and there's, even if we lack a little, there's resources available, and that's good. But what I do see in, in the United States is, you know, it may not be that we find people who have absolutely, literally, no clothes whatsoever, so they need clothes or they won't be clothed, or have no food whatsoever, no way of getting it, or they will not eat. But what I do see all around us is people who need love in a variety of other ways. They need community. They need people to take an interest in their lives. They need people to talk to them. They, need, they have the deep needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs, of, of community that we can give to them. and Now, that, that doesn't mean that we can give it to everybody, but my point is take those same principles and apply it to giving friendship, not just to people who pay you back, but people who need it and who may not be able to pay you back, who may not, who may, you may not get as much out of that relationship as you do with other people, but it's reaching out to those whom Jesus would reach out to. It's trusting God and giving and loving with our emotional energy as well as our financial resources. It's erring on the side of generosity. And again, take care of yourself in that. You know, we need to do those things that enable us to have energy. Seeking the Lord, sleeping, it's a big one. Uh, You know, taking care of ourselves. But then give as the Lord leads you to give. But give in the way that is needed in the people around us. And there are a lot of needs. A lot of needs for love and care around us. And what that means then is that love is not something that's just something we talk about, right? It's not just something that to preach about, it's something to be put into practice. That's what he says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and the truth. Can't be much clearer than that, right? So conclusion, let me just encourage you: you are a loving people. You care for each other. Uh, you care for those around you. It's always it's always interesting to me when I find out sometimes about something that's going on in our congregation, like someone's struggling with someone, and then they're always like, "Well, these four people have already contacted me," <laughs> so it's great, it's great. So that we care for one another, and that and that spills out to the people around us. I know that that is. That is going on. And so so you're a loving people. And that that love comes from the faith that you have in Christ. But as the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, I don't need to teach you about love for you already know, but let it abound more and more. Don't just let it be kind of the thing we do accidentally. Be more and more deliberate about it. Think about it. Let your love grow in wisdom so that you're putting your emotional energy of love in the place of places where it's going to have the greatest effect. Gr- let it grow within you. And really, what—that's what, the main thing I want you to take away from this sermon is to think about loving. You know, sometimes we talk about when people come to, come to Christ and, and want to follow him, then we think about, okay, now we need to read the Bible, pray, and go to church, which is true. But I think if we're, if we're looking at the way the Bible talks about that, I think they'd add something else to that. We need to read the Bible, pray, and love. It's right up there with the key things that we're supposed to do. And this is the way um, that Jesus is working out in us. We, we need to learn to be experts in biblical knowledge. We should know the Bible well. That should be a goal to grow in in the knowledge of the Word of God. But we should also become experts in relationships. And that should be the goal of a mature Christian, that we are really those people who know the Word well, who understand theology, who understand the principles of God's Word, but are also who are excellent in the way that they love other people. That's the ideal that God sets before us, That's what Jesus is doing within us, and that's the example that he taught through his life. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Amen.